Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. It is one of your hosts, John Wascowski. Did you hear my voice crack when I said, hi, everybody? Sorry. (laughs) It's John Wascavage. And Ben Platt. What? Oh, my God. No. Ben? Uh, I, I, I thought maybe that would, like, get people to tune in if we were like, guess who's here today? No. It's, unfortunately, it's me, the non-equity version of Ben Platt, Matt Collins. Um, bitch, please. I'm actually definitely, like, the non-equity version of Ben Platt. Like... No, you're, like, the first national version of Ben Platt. I'm, like, at my best, I'm second national. Like, it's uh... still technically equity, but it's half the set. That's so kind. Yeah, you have a B set. And it's just one it's just one <laughs> it's just one panel and instead of all of the voices of that chorus, it's just Natalie Weiss, that pre recorded mm-hmm. chorus. Um yeah. <laughs> Hi everybody. Gotta love Natalie. <laughs> We've been away for a little bit. I've I will once again take the rap for that. I have been in rehearsals out here in Colorado. Um, I just opened the show last week, and then as soon as I opened the show, I actually ran back for a brief 24 hours for one of my best friend's wedding. So I literally, I, I haven't been sleeping, I haven't been, like, drinking enough water, I haven't been moving my muscles in a correct manner, but I'll tell you one thing I've been doing a lot of is eating. Mm. I'm gonna, like, when I return back to New York, I'm honestly just gonna be, like, a big, well, too bad Charlie and, Cho- and Chocolate Factory is closing, um, yeah, you'd be perfect for that. I know. Well, maybe we can uh, musicalize Death Becomes Her. You'd be like uh, Goldie Hawn in the first 30 minutes of Death Becomes Her. You know you know what I would even love more to be in a Goldie Hawn musical of? I would love to be in Overboard. Like, <laughs> I want that to be a musical <gasps> yesterday. Yeah, well, we, sh- we should be doing that. I was going to say First Wives Club, but they've already tried that like five times. Oh, yeah. What's happening with that? Who knows? Do you know? I, I don't know. No one can crack it, you know? Like, I'm, I'm you know what I'm waiting for? I think hmm. it's going to be, so like, you know how with My Fair Lady, like, everybody in the world at one point tried to musicalize Pygmalion and no one could do it? Mm, I didn't know like that, that. Like, the whole story is like. I'm just going to go along and go, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, I'm the, aware. Like, the whole story with My Fair Lady is like, Rodgers and Hammerstein tried, uh, Oh, Betty, uh, Betty Compton and Adolph Green tried. Like, everybody tried and no one could do it. And everybody's like, "It, you can't do it. Everyone's failed. And then eventually Lerner and Lowe did it and did it brilliantly. I think that's what's going to happen with First Wives Club. Like, someone completely out of left field. Like, Dave Malloy is going to come in and fucking rock it. Like, 
Like, no one realized he could do it. And Dave Malloy is going to make First Wives Club the most brilliant Broadway musical we've ever seen. That's what I, now, that's what I see happening. Now that is funny. This week, I did Soul Cycle for the first time in two months. So, like, I've been busy. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Inquiring minds <laughs> want to know how is your take? It was, it was a Taylor Swift ride. Um, oh. 1989 V Reputation And I wanted to go up to the instructor and be like Just so you know I came up with a Taylor Swift musical Of All About Eve starring Drag Race contestants But I figured that might just overshoot the gayness Of the of the, of the class So I kept was it, it Was it a female or male instructor? Male instructor and surprisingly 50-50 class Like it was very even um, Everyone was in it to win it Wow Yeah Yeah Thank Go God. Ahead. Thank God for Soul Cycle. Where where would our taints be without it? Less bruised. But where would our souls be? And on the subject of bruised taints. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to. You like No, it's okay. 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 <laughs> so let's set the scene, Jean, shall we? Um Picture it. This has been I think this is like four episodes in a row now where where we've like brought this up. Uh, ever since Harvey Weinstein broke a couple of weeks ago, uh, more uh, businesses, more names keep coming forward. And as of this recording, we're recording on a Friday. Uh, this will be coming out on a Tuesday, though. So a yep. lot of things will happen. Um, a very prominent casting director, uh, Justin Huff from the... Like, how would you describe Telsey and company? It's like the casting, like, godfather. Like, yeah. it's... Telsey, Telsey and company is, I would say, like, of all the ca- casting companies, it is the ABC corporation of casting companies. You know, like, it's, yeah. like, yeah, there's the NBCs and the CBSs, and they're doing just great and amazing, too. But, like, there's something about Telsey and ABC that just, like, puts them a little bit above everyone else. And that's, Absolutely. that's, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely sort of. And it, and it, I don't I don't really know how it happened that they became sort of like the be all end all because it's not as if like they are the only ones who've ever cast shows that are worthwhile like Tara Rubin does Dear Evan Hansen and Lion King and Aladdin and uh, Gardner and uh, what's his face um, I mean Tara Rubin Carnahan does, yeah yeah Carnahan I mean Jesus like. Yeah. Yeah, they do Book of Mormon. Like, like Telsey does not do all the shows, or even like the only good shows. Like Telsey, sure, like they do Wicked and they do Kinky Boots, but like they've also done like a bunch of shit too, like Big Fish. Right. Um, yeah, like it's. Oh no, that's. I don't think that was them. I think that was Tara Rubin. Ooh. Um, oh. but point is, point is, um, when the Weinstein uh, news first broke, John, you were very right to point out that you know this is not. The only thing, it's the tip of the iceberg, not just in Hollywood, but in all businesses around the world. And especially in the entertainment business, Broadway, yes. like, was only, it was only going to be a matter of time until Broadway came under the microscope casting specifically. Um, I, it's been, a, I'm, I'm sure you've had the same 12 hours that I've had since the news first broke. Um, it's been quite a, a whirlwind of friends texting and message boards erupting and... 
I just, I, I, just can, wanna, I, don't, I just wanna know who in the acting community knows this many journalists. Like people out there have the scoop. I have I have text messages and like screenshots and things that people are sending me mm-hmm. directly from like the mouth of the sources. Oh my gosh, I just burped too. What is wrong with me? I'm I just burped apart. too. That's so crazy. You did that the exact same time. Twinsies. Um we're so insane. No, no, but it's uh, like yeah. Things are about to break in a huge journalistic manner, or actually, actually, by the time this is aired, things have been broken. Um, yeah, by the time this by the time this airs, things will have broken. So I don't want to say any. So today there was supposed to be a New York Times article coming out that was uh, sort of the incentive for uh, Justin Huff's firing, uh, and. To be fair, he's not the only one that's going to be named in this expose, but he's just the only person that everyone knows for sure is a part of it. Um, a lot of other names are being rumored. I don't want to say who, only because, like, I I don't claim to have, like, personal inside scoop. Like, you have your friends who, like, know journalists and all this whatnot. I'm, like, I'm not fancy like that. I don't pretend to know anything. So I don't want to, like, say a name that I've heard only for that to, like, not be the case come Monday and then everybody right. listens to the episode and they're like, oh, Matt, like you brought out your pitchfork and you started, you know, throwing flame to the the flame to the, flamers, I don't know, the, name of the, thing. Yeah. the stake. Yeah. Like Esmeralda to the stake. Um, so all, what I will say is that um, th- I mean, this obviously it's not just only affects the people that are who who have had to deal with these kind of harassments and the people who are now uh being accused and brought to justice for it. It also affects a lot of other jobs, people who were in contact with all these people. Um, I mean, I know I personally have friends who've been working on projects with directors and choreographers that are about to be named and like, it's a, it's a very confusing time for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. Like colleagues that were held into very high esteem for a very long time. Now, like the dark underside to their power is coming forward and it's throwing a lot of people for a loop. Um, yeah, without going into too much detail, I have experienced this in the business. Um, not so much in the casting director world, but in the world of other people who we work in the business with as actors, you know, as, as with uh, directors, we'll just say that. Um, and to be completely honest, I don't know what to say um it's I, I was talking to a friend earlier today and just so everyone knows it's only like nine o'clock here so i've been up for a few hours because like my brain just can't handle what's going on mm-hmm. um and basically what i was saying to this friend is that my brain can't handle what's going on i um i don't know how to how to receive all this news um and deal with it with like things from my experiences I um I don't I don't know what to do as an artist as a self-proclaimed comedian because I don't feel like things are funny anymore and I'm not pointing the fingers at anyone like mm-hmm. saying like oh they're ruining comedy for me like I'm just saying personally like everything has gotten so bad and so awful and um I I just look at these situations and I hear about them and I get so sad that like, I don't know, I don't know how to react. And so, I mean, I, I, all I can say is I support 
the victims out there. I hope that they can find healing in this process. Um, and, you know, I, I was talking to another friend last night and they were saying, we were talking about how if, if anything, I hope this just helps. I hope it does have a good, like, I, I hope the, the end is justified. You know, I, I hope that we can have a future where power isn't abused. I don't know if that's possible. I, I just don't know. I don't Honestly, I'm like so fucking hopeless. Like it's every, everything is just, um, everything's awful right now. And yeah, I, it's a, <laughs> so sorry, everyone. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Deborah Downer. Like it's, it's just, no. we hear, we hear about all of these allegations. We hear about everything. We have them happen to ourselves. We've experienced it. Um, and it's terrible and heartbreaking and awful. And then, not to be completely on my political soapbox, but then my brain just has this crazy turnaround of like, but wait. And like an accused sexual predator is in is leading, quote unquote, leading our country. And like, I have family members who still support him. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. You know, like here we have like, Matt Lauer, who people have always loved way more than Trump, and yes, what he was doing was disgusting. I don't know if you read about that button underneath the desk, but oh, I read about like, I absolutely did, and it's it's disgusting. And he was fired, and he should be. Um, but it's it's a huge double standard right now, and we live in the upside down. We live in the topsy turvy, um, where I I think part of us are beginning to feel like yeah, we're justified. Like what we're doing is like creating action and it's or creating a, a better outcome but I'm worried because there still is a huge untouchable and he's sitting in the Oval Office and he's orange and he has hay for hair and yeah, um, yeah that, that honestly that's yeah. my input about it I don't, I don't have much to say other than like I feel completely hopeless and I need to talk to my therapist about it this week <laughs> mm. um, I, I honestly I do agree with you on all that first of all I, I want to say I I was trying to make a little light and then John went ahead and got all deep and now I feel like a shallow piece of shit. So that said, um, sorry, I, I told you I wasn't going to be the comedic relief. No, today. it's fine. Um, I agree with you on all of that. I, a lot of people I've spoken to about this, people I know who are, who have also been uh, victims of harassment. I also should say, as you sat and talked about that for a second, I went back through my head and realized that like, I have had moments Mm-hmm. You know, that weren't aggressive, like a Matt Lauer button under the desk. But like, sh- like th- when I was 18, I interned for a very, very prominent theatrical licensing company. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was their very first intern ever. And I remember being in the office and like, my- I basically set my own hours because being their first intern, they were like, we don't know what to do with you. So just like make up your own work. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Yeah, they're like they're like there's literally like all these random things you could do, pick something, you know, make up your own hours. Um and so I did, and there was one day that I was like actually tasked with something to do, and then they told me like at one o'clock that day, it was like a Wednesday, you can actually go home today. I was like, Oh, um, but like I'm not nearly done. They're like, that's fine, like you can come back tomorrow. And I was like very confused and I'm packing up my stuff and one of my coworkers my coworkers, one of the people who worked there, uh in 
uh, said to me that there was a very prominent theatrical producer who I think is a co-partner of this licensing company, something like that. Uh, and he was coming in to the office that day. He like doesn't come in very often because he's not he doesn't live in America uh, that much. But he was coming in that day and they wanted me out because apparently like he had a penchant for like, you know, ver- like legal but very young gentleman, like a very Kevin Spacey kind of twinky thing and they were like we want we basically want you out so he doesn't see you um like we don't want to deal with that and i was like okay so like in one sense was not technically harassed but in the other sense i remember leaving going like how many guys has this has like this been a problem for in the past with this with this producer so i've always wondered that um well exactly i mean if they were saying that with you it's not like they're like oh we have an inkling this might be a thing that's the other thing too i mean who who put who built that button in matt lauer's office and thought like yeah. oh this is a good idea like there's it's it's this it's this huge thing of like there's been enablers for years too and it's like oh, well, yeah. are people enabling because of fear or because of um not knowing what to do because it's just i've been obsessed with for a while with this idea of like the study of what happens when something bad is happening and it is not excuse me and it is not taken care of in um the correct manner and because it it, it just creates this huge like seed uh, and like this well of like lies and deceit and awfulness and more awfulness and it's crazy because it's exactly what we're watching witness we're just watching witness these people who like it starts with like it starts with the sexual harasser and then you realize like oh there have been enablers and then you realize mm-hmm. oh people have been knowing about this for years but no one's been talking about it and it's just it becomes this huge whirlpool this cesspool this whirling cesspool of awfulness and mm-hmm. um i mean i'm glad that it's finally being taken care of now but <laughs> i said it I mean, once it's... and i and I, i'll have to say it again Unfortunately, I feel like this is still just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to like actually dealing with this. Oh we, yeah, there's there's so much to be done and there's so much to be fixed. And I mean, I think yeah. the it's it's at least important to note that it is actually now starting to be dealt with. I again, Completely. I can't, I can't, you know, predict what the future holds. But I mean, even six months ago, this wasn't you know being dealt with like this is a very new development and for some like we have to remember this is only like less than two months old really from the beginning of the harvey weinstein uh outbreak Mm -hmm. so i feel like it we because it's been running so deep and it's been going on for so long it feels like there's just so much more mountain to climb but the fact that like we're even a couple hundred feet up i think is a is a good way to start and i think as you said like it's it's that it's that phrase like you know we've come so far still have so far to go like we can take we can take a moment to take a breath, take a swig of water, but we, then we got to keep going. Like it's, yeah. yeah, we can't sit around going like we've done it. We vanquished the villain. Like we found where the bodies are being buried, and now we have to properly take care of it. Busy day stopped a volcano, kept a town from frying. We found a way. 
So, let's go lighter by going deeper. And by deeper, I mean deep into the ocean. Because Yes. It's a kind of bikini bottom that is safe to talk about. Absolutely. Um, I ventured into bikini bottom last night and saw SpongeBob SquarePants, the musicale. Um, Tell me everything. Okay, everything. Well, so first of all, uh, it's like over, like it is. It's actually surprisingly good. Um, yeah, that's what everyone's been saying, and I believe it, and I'm very yeah. excited about that. If I had like one thing to pick apart about it, and it's a big thing, but it's also like not the worst thing in the world. It's on. It's just too long. Um, oh, really? How long is it? It's it's two acts. It's two hours and twenty five minutes with with an intermission. Um, mm. And I understand like the need to give Broadway audiences. You know, worth their money and whatnot, but uh, right. it's it's a show that like the intermission should be cut, and there's about three songs that could go, and it would be like the tightest hour and fifty minute musical, and it would just be like baller. Um, as it stands, it's got an opening number that's really fantastic, and then Act One is kind of uh airy, like like Act One could be tightened by like. 10 minutes of just a couple of superfluous songs and some weird pacing issues. But then act mm. two has kind of a stupid opening number. And then the, after that opening number in act two, the rest of the show was just like great, like really hmm. well done entertainment. And it's like so brilliantly designed. Uh, Tina Landau is a very imaginative director. Uh, the mm. cast is exceptional. Ethan Slater, who plays SpongeBob, not only like just physically does some of the most acrobatic shit i've ever seen like this side of spider-man uh hmm. but, but like sings incredibly well does a spot on spongebob impression without making it seem like too much of a cartoon imitation like mm. like put some craft into it like it is it's quite solid and this might be the first time in history where like if a show gets if they get nominated for best score like 30 people are technically nominated for that score um, oh my gosh that's true i've never even thought of that yeah, which is honestly, like, why I knew... I mean, apparently they did do some cutting in previews. It's, like, already 15 minutes shorter than it was, but... Oh, wow. You, yeah, like, you know, like, they're not going to cut any songs because, you know, Sarah Bareilles wrote the Act 2 opening number, and even though it's stupid, like, they're, they mm. want to be able to say, with music by Sarah Bareilles. So they're right. not going to cut that. Um, which, like, I get, but at the same time, like, if they really wanted to be... If they really wanted to, like, stick it to all the haters and just make it the most incredible fun show they would do something like that but you know as it as it stands it's just like oh it's just a nice sort of cathartic musical to sort of escape into for two plus hours yeah i really want to i can't wait to see it i'm hopefully going to see it when i'm back around the holidays um yeah people have just been saying it's so wonderful and imaginative and um which is one of the reasons theater exists, you know? Everything is awful right now, so let's go down to Bikini Bottom and have a little bit of a respite from the awfulness. Um, totally. And, like, yeah, I mean, I, I love that we have a se- we have a, a season where we can have on one end of the spectrum SpongeBob, which is, like, purely meant to entertain and be fun and does it so well. And then on the other end, we have The Band's Visit, which is, like, you know, also entertaining, but in a much quieter... Uh, somber way but just you know just as much craft went into that as well like that's what i appreciate yeah i um so i can actually talk about the the band's visit because i saw that before i left for colorado um and what a fun little gem of a musical it is it's just 
it's um it's interesting because there is an ensemble but they don't really do a lot <laughs> hmm. um it, it feels kind of more like a play with music to me than it does a musical yeah do you do you agree <laughs> totally yeah well i mean because it's the songs are like definitely important in yes. bands is it like it like this it is definitely it is a musical in the sense that like the score without the score it would not work nearly as well no. but it is not the kind like there is no real plot so to speak like it like you could sum up what happens in the show in like three sentences but right yeah so like it's not like the score progresses the plot for like there's no like montage number or anything like that um these like the songs are sort of like little pocket inner monologues which a lot you know a lot yeah. of ways songs are meant to be in musicals um but they like just kind of float in and out there's no there's no button everything kind of just glides through um yes yeah, um, I don't. Know. Give, I would like. I would like to hear a bit more of your uh, reaction to it because I saw it like two ish weeks ago. So uh, your uh, memory of it's probably going to be a little sharper than mine. Oh no, I saw it. I, I've been gone for like three weeks. I saw it like two weeks ago too. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, never I'm, mind I'm, then. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm okay talking about it. Um, <clears throat> it was. I'm. Some sometimes I love pieces of of art, of film, of theater, of TV that are an exploration of nothingness. Mm-hmm. And, and and you'd pretty much agree that not not nothingness. Um, I I I guess the mundane. And yeah, and this is a piece that is definitely one of those, and it's great because not a lot of musicals want to take the chance to do that right now. You need to have sp- splashy sets and um, splashy. <laughs> that was like almost an exactly SpongeBob reference. <laughs> they're underwater. Yeah, they're underwater. See, I'm doing everybody. really good at the jokes right now because I'm having to explain them too. Um, but no, to be it's... fair, even when you have had more coffee than this you've had to explain your jokes in the past hey 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 okay so um no it's it's i think it's a i really enjoyed it i think it's hard to compare it to some of the other like big musicals of the past years like hamilton and whatnot because people are kind of saying or people are even saying you know like oh this is kind of Maybe the come from away from this year. This could be the underdog, um, and you. Everyone knows how I feel about come from away, but I even mm. feel like that that comparison doesn't work really well because these are very two completely different stories. There's actually a lot of um, emotional baggage to both of them, but in very different ways. One, you know, is about nine eleven and a town banning together for the greater good, which like even though I didn't care for the musical that much, I was so moved by Come From Away, I cried like three times. It's just an amazing story. But this, on the other hand, is completely different because it is just an exercise in what people actually go through on a day-to-day basis. It's... um. Okay, Katrina Lenk. I need to talk about her because oh, her, God, her okay. performance. Yes. So Goddess. she, I saw her years ago in a new musical called Cloudlands at South Coast Rep. And I was, I, 
I just couldn't, I, all I could think was, who is this woman? Who, who is she? And then she left that, or well, she closed that show and went right into Spider-Man. And I never saw her in Spider-Man. I never saw Spider-Man. But she's been working since. And she, the best way that I can compare her to anything is that she is either, she is basically that teacher that you had in college. Or maybe, like, at my school, there was a grad program and sometimes the grad students taught classes. She was like that grad student who everyone wanted to take her class or everyone wanted to be around her because everything she does on stage tells a story. She was Mm -hmm. doing things with her pelvic area that not like she was, not that she was dancing or gyrating or like being sexy or or overtly being sexual. She just, her body was so connected from head to toe that like, Every inch of her tells a story. And the reason why I think that show is so successful is because of her. Because what she does on that stage is the opposite of kind of what we are taught theater should be. When you're in theater school, people always tell you... I remember working on scenes and people being... Or teachers asking for more, more, more. You need more. You need to highlight the drama. People don't come to the theater to watch the mundane or watch the everyday. They want to see people at the most heightened states of their emotions, which I agree in a lot of ways. But what's become interesting throughout the last few years, through more indie films becoming more popularized, through television influencing the style of musical theater acting, is that things have become a lot lessened. Things have become a lot tinier. And so what I love about the, uh, the band's visit is that it is... Yes, it is an exploration of the mundane, but it's the devastation and the emotion of what we actually go through in life. We all have moments of like extreme heartbreak that sometimes just go by very quietly, that we don't end up screaming, that we don't end up like throwing the, you know, we, we don't end up like Diana and Next to Normal and throwing the silverware where it just it passes and we're quietly devastated about it and we have our own personal inner emotional reaction that maybe no one else ever sees and that's that's what I really liked about this show because I think it does that so well it highlights that part of the human experience so well I agree with what you say about Katrina. Like, I saw her in Indecent last year. That was the oh, indecent. first thing I, I ever saw her in. Yes. She in that was also, oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's some kind of warmth about her that I just love. Because I remember... I went to go. I wanted to go see Indecent, and I had mm-hmm. heard that Katrina Lank was phenomenal, and I did not know who she was. I did not know what she looked like, and what, with things like that, I love to kind of watch, and then kind of as I watch, sort of try to figure out which one that person is. Like I don't mm-hmm. look through the playbill. I don't look at the headshots. I'm like, okay, who's the person that I'm supposed to like fall in love with? And yeah. the, like the Katrina Lank does not really have a moment in Indecent until like half an hour into it. 
And so the first half hour, like, there are these three other women. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, they're all good. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. whoever this Katrina Lank person is, I guess, like, is being overpraised. And then she had her scene. They, I think the first time they ever showed the scene in the rain uh, before it gets, like, before they, before, like, the first time they show it, it gets interrupted. But when they mm-hmm. first show it, I was like, oh, that's Katrina Lank. Because it, mm-hmm. you could just tell. And it's the same thing in, in, in Band's Visit. Like, it is... It's a combination of the highest form of theatricality and the most mundane of humanity combined in a way that sounds like an oxymoron and doesn't work, but she makes it work. I don't know how she the be- does. It's it's the best I can explain. The best the I understand like comparisons to come from way most just mostly just about like you know locals taking in outsiders. Like that's the mm-hmm. that in a turntable. That's like the most I can say that they're that they're connected um but what actually interested me most about bands is it, it reminded me a lot of ways in fun home uh katrina like specifically reminded me a lot of beth malone in fun home a performance that is so natural and so human mm. and yet works on the scale of musicals mm-hmm. um because the way the musical theater is technically supposed to work is when you can't speak anymore when your emotions just run too high you sing and when that's too much, you dance. And I think it's important to note that there's not really any dancing in Band's Visit. That's, like, sort of tells you where the emotions weigh in in that show. And even when they sing, like, as we said, it kind of floats in and out. So it's like a real human being. Your emotion can, like, run high for, like, a brief period of time. And then it kind of peters out. And before you know mm-hmm. it, like, you don't know what you just said or did. And yeah. that's sort of what I love about the score of Band's Visit. Um, yeah, she's she's just... It's the kind of performance. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you felt about La La Land. I know that a lot of artists are divided about it, but I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking, I would love if Emma Stone won the Oscar because it's the kind of performance that doesn't usually win an Oscar. Mm. Uh, if that makes sense, like usually Oscars go to like Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady or like Kate Blanchett in in The Aviator, like big. Right scenery chewing like this is acting with a capital a exclamation point performance and Mm -hmm. i sort of feel the same way about katrina like in band's visit where it's like i would love it i think she will still i think she will win i mean we don't know what the rest of the season holds but at the moment like it's the kind of performance that doesn't usually win because it's not like musicals punch Mm -hmm. the sky and for that i just want her to like sweep everything so yeah I, I agree. I agree about that per, that kind of performance that she's giving, and that I, I would love to see her take a, that award or take the Tony Award this year because she her work is amazing. If you get a chance to see it, I can understand the show not being everyone's cup of tea. Most people I've talked to have really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but um, her it is worth it just to watch some amazing acting on stage just like dropped in acting yeah just dropped in i mean honestly i wish my i wish that my pelvis would do half as like well with acting as katrina yeah Uh, it's It's, like it's it's the kind i i get very annoyed when i talk sometimes to musical theater broadway enthusiasts young broadway enthusiasts so uh like when we had natalie walker on and she's like i don't like to shit on people's opinions of shows i like to have conversations and like i 
I will admit, up until like nine months ago, I used to do just that. I would shit on other people's opinions. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be better about having conversations, but I do tend to get in conversations with young Broadway enthusiasts. And I'm talking like 14, 15 year olds um, who like reach out to me because like, you know, I had a newsie on baking it and they're like, oh, like, tell me about your opinions on Broadway. And I, I sort of like want to sit them down and be like, I, I love that you're so that you love Broadway so much. But you need to understand that, like, when you tell me that this performance you just saw was the greatest acting you ever saw. And like, we're talking, you know, ninth Glinda replacement in Wicked. And they're like the best acting performance I've ever seen. I'm like, OK, like, I'm sure they're wonderful. But like, mm-hmm. I want to expose you to other kinds of acting as well. So you can truly understand what that means. Yeah. Like, do you know what I, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. It's it's I, like I how much do I want to show on certain actors? There there was an acting performance by a Tony winning actress last season. She didn't win she did not win the Tony last season. She had won a Tony previously, but she was in a show last season. And I clocked every single one of her tricks that she did in that performance. And afterwards a friend of mine was like, that was the most natural performance I've ever seen. And I was like, we saw, like, Christine Nielsen in Vanya Sonia Masha and Spike. Like, we saw Michael Service in Fun Home. And, like, this woman, who's a very talented woman, literally just did everything I've ever seen her do in every other show. Like, can we like can we discuss that? I don't know. So, something about Katrina, like, just makes me and feel so... And that woman's so... name is Norm Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't win it, Tony. No, I know she didn't, no. and I love because her. she because she checks off all her boxes. Um, <laughs> I don't think I I I don't think I I think I cut it last time when I mentioned I was at uh, therapy and Lashawn's kind of outed Norm Lewis. Oops, um, that was. I know you didn't cut it. Maybe I, I just think about it, it every day. <laughs> I think yeah, I might have I might have cut it for timing reasons last time. But if we keep this episode short, well, we'll keep it in. well, now it's official. In case it wasn't in the previous episode everyone you now know LaShawn's has outed Norm Lewis. She outed Norm Lewis. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow. I'm going to segue and mm. I actually don't know if this segue is going to work because I don't know if you've seen it, but I just saw it and I kind of want to talk about it. And it's a little bit of a departure from what we normally talk about because we mainly talk about theater. However, mm-hmm. um there's a gay film out right now, and gay film is just another word for theater. Um, <laughs> there's a gay film out there called Call Me By Your Name. Have you seen it? I just saw it. I I have not seen it yet. Uh, it is number one on my list of things to see. Uh, I just saw Lady Bird. That was, that's uh, the most recent Oscar movie I saw. Yes. Yeah, Lady Bird's next on my list, but when I was home for less than 24 hours for that wedding in New York this past Monday, I was like, what should I do in New York? Of course, see a gay film. Um, It's very, oh my gosh, why am I so burpy? I'm so sorry, everyone in the podcast world. I literally am the gassiest. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (gasps) Oh Um, my God. It's just really interesting. Uh, I'd be interested, once you see it, to talk about it. Um, if anyone out there is listening has seen Call Me By Your Name, I want to know, I haven't talked actually to a lot of people who have seen it, and so I want to hear people's opinions about it. Um, I was talking to my therapist last week, and he was asking what I was doing this week, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go see Call Me By Your Name, and um, he said something very interesting 
that a lot of the people in the gay psychology and like therapy community are refusing to see it because they consider it quote unquote gay blackface since it's two straight actors playing gay. And I heard that term and my butthole just went, I was, I just thought, oh, that is not what we should be calling that. And he, he agreed. He, he's, he said that his colleagues are definitely overreacting and, um, but I didn't realize there had been such a response like that to it with such aggressive language. So I was wondering if you had seen it and what your thoughts were, because I have some very interesting thoughts about it. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a beautiful film, but there are there's some interesting things. And um, well, yeah, I have not well, I, I have not no seen it yet. Talking about it now. <laughs> so I, I will Fake say tangent. <laughs> I, I will I will say because it the, it does go back to what we were saying with Andrew Garfield and Angels in America. Um, mm-hmm. I like. I'm not. I am not mad when a straight actor plays a, a gay character. Uh, if anything, it used to. There used to be a time when that was career suicide in Hollywood. Playing a gay character right. was like the end of your career. Uh, now it's sort of like Oscar bait material, but that's it br- on, brings on itself another slew of uh, questions for me because then it goes into ho- the whole like putting on a prosthetic nose or pretending you have a limp like it's like it's your flaw that you're now Mm -hmm. a gay person um like you're a martyr you're a victim uh and i i cannot comment on this movie yet it does look lovely and all the reports i've read uh have said that it's that that it is very um well done and very uh i don't know sense it is the right word but very um D- doesn't pander too much or doesn't preach too much. I, get, I you can maybe sh- shine some more light on that for me if, uh, if you could. Um, I don't know. Like I, I it's... would love it if there were more opportunities for gay actors. I don't love the idea that only gay actors can play gay roles. I think, of course, I there agree. Are... I don't. I think that's a that's a weird, dangerous thing. Yeah, I would say I think that every role has its own burdens and like. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some gay actors, uh, some gay actors play convincing straight men, and straight men play convincing gay men. Um, mm-hmm. For example, I you don't watch Younger, do you? Did you ever watch? I Younger? don't know. Okay, I mean, I'm not trying to promote it, although I absolutely would if I if I had a platform, no, really. No, no, but, no, no. You would, you would just. Everyone should assume that I would watch a show with Sutton Foster and Hilary Duff, but for some reason, I've just never oh, got on that train. But I'm it's just, a very, I'll, it's a very. It's a very show. and all the chunky necklaces that Miriam Shore wears alone oh, is like chunky necklaces. She wears every kind of chunky necklace you can imagine. Point mm. is, the first mm. two seasons, Hillary Duff has a boyfriend slash fiance who's like a total Wall Street douche, and mm-hmm. I found out recently that the actor is actually gay. Um, and the only reason I found out was because I was stalking him on Instagram the other day and found um, <laughs> he posted a photo of him and uh, his now husband from their wedding from a few weeks ago, and I mean I would never have known and i mean now that i know that he's gay i still look at the performance and i don't think oh you know where where are the clues or the hints like he's just a very good actor and he was yeah. able to su- successfully play that kind of role um so yeah i don't i don't mind it i i think that it's easy to say you know we need more gay a- gay actors playing these roles but at the same time like be also being an out- openly gay actor is really just like a new thing being an openly gay successful actor is still very new so to have as many successful ones as we do is is uh 
encouraging, but it's not like we had like this giant roster of A-list Hollywood names that can go into Call Me By Your Name, if that makes sense. No, totally. I'll be very intrigued. I don't want to say too much more about it of my opinion until you see it, because I just want to see if you had the same reaction. I think it's beautiful done. It's a beautiful film. It's it's an interesting story, because it kind of, in a weird way, is almost the reverse of everything that's going on, because it's about a young... I mean, he's on the cusp of adulthood. He is considered an adult, but I think he's 17 in the film. And, I mean... It's a it's a, a, a tryst, a romantic relationship with, I believe the character's supposed to be like 26. So someone about nine years older. Um, so it's interesting because in light of everything that's going on, you look at that situation and you think, oh, should we be celebrating this story? But um, yeah, see it. And then I want to talk about it. We're going to... We're going to treat Call Me By Your Name like a piece of theater because, um, well, I got my tickets at TKTS for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go on um, TDF tonight and see what I can find. <laughs> TDF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm very excited to see it. I will say I'm also interested to hear your thoughts on Lady Bird when you do see it. There is a giant Sondheim chunk in the movie that I was not expecting. So I'll just, oh. Yeah. Um, they needless, they do a school musical and uh there is an audition sequence and they don't tell you what the musical they're auditioning for is right out um so they tell you later on but so as you're watching the auditions you're like why is everyone singing Sondheim like this is supposed to be uh like Sacramento in 2002 why in a Catholic school why is everybody singing Sondheim but then you find out why but watching Saoirse Ronan like slightly uh, saying everybody says don't slightly off key but like with Elaine Stritch gusto is mm. like my choice for gayest moment of 2017 cinema wow gayer than call me by your name who knew oh yeah she's like um, everybody says don't everybody says don't everybody says don't walk on the grass I was like ah I was actually, Oscar I was listening to the Barbra Streisand version of that song last night in case anyone has ever <laughs> wondered about my sexuality which I do keep very <laughs> under yes. wraps yes we're very um, secretive about these sort of things yeah, I am. Um, wow, we've just... i It's very interesting. This podcast started out as something very different, um, mm-hmm. I think, in both of our minds. And I think we've also dealt with a lot of things with both of us traveling. We're doing this, you know, once again in two different time zones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's just been... It's very interesting because we started... We started at the bottom, now we're here. Um, no, we started... Did you just say we started as bottoms, now we're here? No, sweetie. Because <laughs> I started I... as a top. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh I was God. young and unafraid, and dreams were made, <laughs> and choose to break tent. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I think it is very fitting, though, that, by the way, the, the, the music we use as our, uh transition music like when we just like abruptly transition to the next thing is patty lapone singing you're the top so wow yeah there we go um there we are it's just very interesting i'm i'm very grateful for this podcast i'm very grateful that we even have a few people who listen to our rants about um what's going on in the theater community i hope that people realize why it is important to talk about and why 
we do keep talking about it and why as the news keeps rolling on i because sometimes in my mind you know i was having the thought i was like i was thinking are we beating a dead horse is this is this is another episode where matt and i kind of like chew out didactic thoughts about um and yes didactic is my word of the day on the calendar no Mm -hmm. um like thoughts about sexual harassment which i mean you and i have very pretty much standard thoughts on sexual harassment in that it is in that big red bubble of no but um the thing is is that it hasn't it's been going on for so long it's running so rampant and the thing that we're realizing is that people have been there's been knowledge about all of these things it's just that no one's talking about it and so even if you feel like your opinion is already stated or it's already been heard or your experience has already someone has already had an an experience similar to yours and they've already talked about it and maybe theirs is quote-unquote worse and so yours is less important or yours is less um meaningful to to the, the the conversation it's not you know it's every everyone's experience is important and i think mm-hmm. everyone should feel that they can be heard and will be heard and should be heard so um i don't know what was in my coffee today why i turned into <sighs> Like an actual adult. Like today's the first day of my life. I feel twenty nine years old. <laughs> You're like, like the, been, like like the gay been, Ben Stein today. Exactly. I feel like I've been faking it and just like bopping around like a teenager in an old decrepit body for the last few years. But um, no, it. Uh, I I hope. I hope. That as things continue to develop, which by the time this podcast airs, a lot of shit's gonna get developed. Yep. Um, I hope that we just keep inching closer to a better future. And with that, I say, "Oh yeah, back to the camera." As it's, I I agree one hundred percent with you on that, John. It's important to be able to feel safe and protected and be heard and you know talk about these things i also think it's important to laugh from time to time so you know if you want to just like i I feel like but now as we've been recording these i should start every episode to be like if you just want to laugh start at 1632 (laughs) if you want to hear like in-depth conversations start at zero 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 um but yeah i don't know like i agree with you this we definitely had a plan for how this podcast was going to go. Like, we had segments, we had sections, and we still do that a bit. But it's def- I feel like now is sort of the world is going through this big shift. So are we with this podcast. And I'm, I'm not mad about it. We're, we're sort of, like, naturally leaning into uh, what feels right for yeah. us in this podcast. I mean, I woke up this morning and, like, I woke up to a pair of half-rimmed glasses automatically sitting on my face, and I was wearing a wool sweater vest, and mm. I just, I felt more informed, and I felt... <laughs> I went to bed with a half-mug of tea beside me and an open copy of the script to Torch Song Trilogy, so, like, <laughs> I, I went am... to bed with the help of Patina Miller. <laughs> 
Patina Miller is what my best friend and I named my vape pen here in Colorado because it's legal here, people. So um, I only do things that are legal. So only yes, only that. Um, yes, Patina Miller is very good to me out here. <laughs> I love that you named it Patina Miller. I was trying to think of like any name. I, 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 I well, I first was like, I think I'm going to name her Patina, and my best friend was like, No, Patina, Patina Miller, and I was like, Okay. Kind of like how the rest of Broadway was about her They were like Patina Miller And the rest of us were like Oh yeah, okay <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose, sure um, Sure, yeah, great cool. yeah, Great, amazing um, Well, on that note Speaking of things that we name after great dames My phone, which I named Sigourney Weaver a long time ago uh, Is informing me that we should probably start wrapping things up um, Yeah, we should yeah, I yeah. I have to catch a yoga class in a little bit <laughs> and I, got, I mean, I gotta get to another soul cycle I'm just so busy <laughs> Seriously though, praying for your taint, which <laughs> I know you. you're gonna want to make that the title of this episode. Maybe with some of the topics, we should make it praying for your taint, or maybe or call me by your taint. Call me by your taint. Yes. Oh uh, let me tell I... you though, <laughs> there is a, all I'm gonna say. Uh, my my final thoughts on call me by your name is there is a scene with a peach in this. <laughs> Everyone's talking about the fucking peaches in this movie. Have other people told you about the peach scene? No one's told me what about the peaches. Everyone, all I just see is like, call me by your name. Oh my God, the peaches. There there is this scene that I, like, I, as an adult male, I have maybe, like, watched a film that has maybe been on the more pornographic side like maybe once or twice like in a very like controlled setting you know Mm -hmm. um there is a scene in this movie with the peach where i my jaw was on the floor and i was like oh can they show um yeah so if nothing else go for the peach scene (laughs) i will i will absolutely go i look forward to it um yeah you know you know what john okay so for today's episode because it's just like the everything we've been talking about and the, the need to sort of just let go and say fuck it to the world i would like to pick uh this week's diva if that's all right <gasps> go for it um all right so since we last recorded i uh randomly experimented with jerry springer the opera oh my gosh yeah yeah yeah. have, have you like ever listened to it or I, i've listened to a few songs from it um i know that i uh what's that one that that uh, i just want to dance yep something? that's the that's, yeah. that's what i'm gonna be picking today um oh, yes yeah, yeah i will say the, so like the first act it's all like jerry springer acts um and the music's actually quite phenomenal um like yeah, really great choral work but yeah there's this one song really fun. by this one character who's like an overweight housewife from the south and she just wants to be a pole dancer she just like wants to mm. let loose and this is all she wants to do. And Allison Gier sings it, and she's just absolutely wonderful. So sure. that is what I will be playing for us tonight. This is Allison Gier from Jerry Springer the Opera, um, or or her pop single. I'm not sure which version I want to play yet. But this is her singing, I Just Want to Fucking Dance. Yas. Yas. So uh, until next time, uh, I am uh, second national tour version Ben Platt, a.k.a. Matt Coplick. And I am first national tour Ben Platt, and proud of it. Um... John Wascavage. Yes, that's right. You play the Amundsen Theater in L.A. Mm, cannot wait. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play, like, the Fox Theater in St. Louis. Uh, oh, if you're lucky, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I feel like our one, like, one five-day sit-down. Oh, God. Okay, everybody. All right. 
Like be library, safe this out there and down. try to stay sane. And let's stay, just dance. <laughs> stay, yeah, just fucking dance. Take us out, Allie. Let's just fucking dance. 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 I want to do some living because I've done enough dying. I just want to dance. I just want to fucking wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.